Hi, I'm your host, Rowan Tonkin, and welcome to Being Planful, the show for FP&A leaders and planning experts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Being Planful podcast. Uh, I'm joined here today by uh, Keith Kim. Keith has just joined us here at, at Planful as our uh, new VP of FP&A. And uh, firstly, welcome to the team, Keith, and, uh, and welcome to uh, the Being Planful show. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Rowan. Uh, super excited to be here at the company and, and also to have this opportunity to chat. So when we spoke uh, earlier about uh, jumping on the podcast and talking about some of your experiences before uh, me and the rest of the marketing team come and brainwash you with all of our ideologies and, and thoughts and have you really speaking from, from, the, uh, from the, the, the right sheet, um, what we talked about was just kind of your career so far, you know, what was, um, you, you had a, have had an interesting journey so far going uh, from investment banking into FP&A and, uh, and, and really FP&A at, at some really amazing firms, uh, you know, EMC, Salesforce, LinkedIn, Zendesk. I, I'd love to, uh, to firstly, you know, dive into that, that jump from, uh, from kind of corporate development and investment banking into FP&A and, and, and what kind of correlations you see and uh, just understand a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Appreciate the question. So, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, um, I started out my career in uh, investment banking, did that for uh, about four years, uh, doing primarily, you know, sell side and buy side uh, M&A for uh, small to mid cap uh, companies, um, you know, primarily, you know, uh, private companies. Uh, and so, you know, very, very transactions heavy, uh, but also learned what it was like to work uh, 80 hours a week uh, deep in the trenches, you know, right out of college. Uh, drank out of the fire hose. Uh, it was a, an immense, uh, immensely, uh, you know, exciting experience uh, having um, having had that. Uh, and uh, you know, what really kind of uh, you know transitioned to you know subsequent roles really was, um, you know, I wanted to just see that end-to-end process uh, uh, within a company. So not just going from one deal to the next, but really to see the uh, you know end-to-end life cycle of, of a transaction from diligence all the way through integration. Uh, and so uh, there was an opportunity that uh, came up for me to join EMC uh, on their, uh, the corp dev team. Uh, EMC at the time was uh, super acquisitive. Uh, and so, you know, not only did I get to continue participating on the uh, front end of the deal transactions, but really seeing what goes on uh, behind the scenes after the announcement, after the deal has closed and, you know, how, how you live and, 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 you know, support the acquisition going forward. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was for, for, uh, for a couple of years. And, um, you know, there's a, a role that opened up uh, on the finance side, FP&A side, uh, partnering with the product and engineering uh, managers. And uh, given I was already working with them quite heavily for a lot of these acquisitions, uh, it just seemed to be a, you know, pretty natural fit to move into that role and now become their, their finance partner. And so, uh, you know, that was my transition uh, into FPNA and haven't looked back since. Uh, and, you know, served in an FPNA capacity uh, across, you know, some really, you know, stellar companies that I was very fortunate to have, uh, you know, been a part of, uh, really seen uh, some exciting, uh, you know, uh, growth uh, through, those, uh, through those companies. And interestingly, you know, 
as I thought that, you know, I would be leaving M&A behind from my corp dev and banking days, uh, I noticed that it kept following me, okay, through my subsequent journeys. Uh, and it's really interesting. I mean, what really, you know, those companies have in common is, uh, you know, not just their, uh, you know, how they're able to grow, you know, at scale, but, uh, you know, the fact that they used acquisitions as a, as a catalyst to continue to further uh, fuel that growth. Um, and it just goes to show, you know, how acquisitions uh, needs to become a core competency for companies as, as they grow. And, and that's an interesting point. Would, would you say that's kind of one of the learnings that you've taken from your M&A time into FP&A is how to help organizations understand, uh, you know, M&A activity as part of kind of core financial activity? That's right. That's right. And, you know, uh, I see my role, you know, at those companies as having a kind of a hybrid role, right? So, you know, you got the traditional, you know, corporate finance uh, role, you know, managing budgets and doing planning and finance partnerships, uh, but also at the same time, uh, you know, participating in the diligence and seeing what the impact could be to the business as you are exploring these uh, really exciting technologies and companies. Uh, and so this kind of you know, hybrid approach uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the skill sets required to be able to uh, flex across those two different dimensions. And, you know, they have been very frequent uh, just from, from my experience. It's, uh, they go hand in hand. It's uh, really striking how, uh, you know, I've been able to leverage, uh, you know, both of those skill sets uh, together within one role. And, and what's interesting, Keith, is, um, you know, when, when I talk to a lot of FP&A uh, teams and leaders, they're, they're like, I'm struggling to do the business partnership side because of my core finance side. And you're adding this third element of M&A on top of that. Can you talk about how you manage to do that while still kind of uh, maintaining and operating under the, the, that core finance model? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a really good question. Uh, because of the fact that, you know, the, the traditional corporate finance role is highly predictable. Uh, it's very cyclical, right? You go through your month end, quarter end planning. I mean, it's, it's a rhythm, right? M&A just breaks all of that. <laughs> okay. And so uh, nothing like a good dose of M&A to just really stress test your company's processes, you know, uh, aptitude for being able to integrate, thinking outside the box and really stretching the confines of the company's structure and the way they used to do things to be able to jointly, you know, bring along this uh, supercharged company to see how it could really fit nicely and, and give you that, that growth. So it, it takes you out of your comfort, comfort zone for sure. And, you know, um, for me, like, I'm, you know, having had that experience uh, made me very, uh, you know, comfortable and, and, and used to managing the, the unpredictable. Yeah. And, and when, you, um, when you came across from the banking side, obviously, you know, there was a start and an end date, right, uh, as, as to kind of the, the processes. What did you learn that was new to you when you come across onto the kind of corp dev FP&A side on, on really on the buy side, if you will, that you didn't know walking in? Like what, what would anyone uh, in the audience uh, listening today, what can they learn from, from you that you wish you had have known as you went in? 
Yeah, I mean, it was brand new for me to just really understand and embrace the operational aspect of a company, right? So, you know, outside of the M&A stuff, I mean, the company is still having to close the books and, you know, uh, manage the P&L uh, and, uh, you know, figure out how to make the best investment decisions, right? Uh, you know, those are the things that I wasn't exposed to during my earlier time in banking. And so it was a brand new experience for me uh, jumping in and really seeing that that engine, okay, and and you know uh, that um, really riding that rhythm of of a of a company's year long, you know, uh, uh, planning and you know a budgeting uh, journey uh, to be able to uh, see what um, what those existing processes uh, look like, and and you know how to now. Uh, you know, turn on a dime and, and to accommodate something as disruptive as, as, a, as an acquisition. Yeah. And uh, obviously some of those, you know, the companies that you, you've been working at, they're larger organizations. Like they, they you know, if I, if I read them off, there are who's who of kind of tech companies here in the Bay Area, EMC, Salesforce, LinkedIn, Zendesk. So can you tell me a little bit about the structure of those uh, FP&A teams? How did CorpDev fit into that? Um, you know, some of, some of those kind of capabilities, I think the, the audience would be really interested in hearing from. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, you know, uh, two things. So, um, you know, each of those companies, you know, did have a dedicated uh, corporate development team uh, that included the, the transaction team, usually a, you know, two to three person team that is out there uh, scoping the M&A landscape. Uh, you know, uh, negotiating and, you know, talking to, you know, potential targets and building relationships. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the other aspect of, of their team was the, uh, uh, the integration team and, you know, very uh, uh, almost like a, you know, PMO kind of uh, organization. Uh, right. And so they would be responsible for coordinating all of the aspects of what happens after the deal closes when, everyone else in the company is now invited to the party. Okay, now, now you know, who's going to do what? Um, so that's the, the, the basic function of a corporate development team. Uh, the way I would partner with them is, you know, being on the finance side, you know, uh, I would participate and, and be the uh, FP&A uh, representative uh, as we assess these companies. So, you know, each of the functions would send along their, you know, uh, dedicated uh, representative to kind of be uh, the, the one to, uh, you know, scope out a company from, you know, each of the functions that they represent. And, and I will play that role for finance. Uh, and so um, now if, you know, if you look back at the, uh, the, the typical fp team across these companies, you know, what, what I would say, you know, they all have in common is, you know, it's a, uh, you know, especially the teams at, at that scale at, you know, billion dollar plus scale that, you know, and, and growing at that pace, I mean, you know, the uh, uh, teams are big, right? There are very clear uh, swim lanes, uh, processes are tight, right? And in essence, they have to be, right? Because for companies that are billion plus that are growing, you know, 25, 30% plus, you know, you need to do that in order to mobilize all the cross-functional resources to do what it takes to make or, you know, execute on a, on a decision, right? And so, uh, you have finance teams that are now uh, entrenched with um, each of those business partners and they're kind of tied at the hip, right? And, and you know, each of the major, uh, you know, um, 
executives from from the orgs would have a you know finance partner or finance team supporting them that really knows each of their functions. That that makes a hundred percent sense at that scale. So if you're coming to a smaller organization like you 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 uh, you have now. Um, uh, what advice would you give to those uh, those companies that are you know maybe smaller in revenue, smaller in FP&A team, but like what what can organisations learn from that scale and that growth and that pace that would be important to to kind of start instilling now? Yeah, yeah, you know I think I think what's uh, what's important for you know smaller teams to realize is you know when you're small you have the luxury of you know, being the one to just roll up your sleeves and, and, you know, take things on, right? You know, you just need consensus from maybe one or two other people, and you could just make things happen. Uh, you know, that speed and, and agility is what makes a smaller company a small company, nimble and agile, you know, quick decision making, and, you know, being able to just, you know, turn on a dime. Uh, however, you know, I think, you know, as those companies have bigger aspirations to reach a, a you know, a growth plat, um, uh, you know, growth target, uh, it behooves them to be aware of what uh, efficient processes they could start to put in place so that as they grow, they're not laying, laying down uh, debt that they'll have to pay for later because some of their, you know, processes and things are, are not as efficient as it could be. And would that be true of companies that, you know, maybe uh, don't have such ambitious growth targets, right? You know, some people are just trying to outperform their competition on, on razor thin margins. I imagine that's the same philosophy because then you're still going to want those processes and frameworks to support um, just being able to operate at such a high performance level without all the needs of, of, of human capital in, in that case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, you have to be efficient with the small amount of resources that you have. And, and you know, that that's that's table stakes for sure. It's just that, you know, if the company is doing well and the company is growing teams, which, you know, should be uh, inevitable for a growing organization, you know, the amount of communication and the coordination you need to do across the teams to get alignment, I mean, it just grows exponentially, right? And so the level of of communication of the teamwork that you need to just keep them all aligned and, and going towards the same target, uh, that becomes even more critical because, you know, you're not the one, one man show anymore, right? I mean, you got to rely on other folks and you got to trust them now. Okay. And, and have uh, rely on other folks to look, uh, you know, look around corners or uh, uncover things that you might not have done before. And so, um, you know, the, the level of, you know, communication and the alignment becomes uh, critical uh, just by virtue of having so many folks involved. Are there any specific tactics that you learned along your kind of high growth journey um, that you can share that, that kind of help achieve that, that alignment and, and that, you know, that clarity of communication that, that you can share? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, within a, a finance role, you know, uh, reporting is, is a key element of our jobs, right? You know, what we surface, to whom and, and how, and the story around the insights and the numbers and all that, you know, analysis uh, is, is one, one of our, our key deliverables in, in products. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, um, 
that product that you are creating as a finance organization has to resonate with your audience, right? It your reporting packages have to have the right product market fit, okay, for the audience that that you're you're dealing with, uh, and so being intentional about you know what it is you're going to be surfacing and to whom and in what kind of manner and cadence uh, becomes you know super critical. So you know whether it's uh, you know uh, monthly scorecards and dashboards or things that uh, uh, you could convey to your business partners about hey, have you looked at this trend? It seems to be going a little bit off or, you know, just anticipating some of those, those changes and, and bringing those insights to your business partners, uh, you know, become really, uh, really important. So I would say, you know, just, just all the basic reporting that finance organizations do, you know, it, it's, it's something that, you know, uh, all the finance teams can, can really uh, revisit and, and refine. And, and because what you've reported last year may not be the relevant report for this year anymore, right? And so sometimes you just have to think outside the box a little bit and really not be, uh, and really, uh, you know, um, understand the pulse of that, that business to, to change your, your, your product, right? Your reporting packages. Yeah, I, you know, it comes to the to the kind of I think the adage, you know, it's not reporting, it's insights that people are looking for, and uh, they change on a regular basis based on whatever the needs of the business are. And so, as we think about you know coming into FY twenty one, and uh, and we've obviously you know that that's uh, something that we're all in the process of doing right now. We've got twenty twenty hopefully behind us. <laughs> um, what insights can we derive from 2020 that will help shape uh, FY21 and, and, and capabilities that organizations may or may not need? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at, you know, 2020 and, you know, we still have a couple more months to go here. So we, we should probably anticipate a little bit more volatility as we, uh, you know, exit the year. Um, you know, I think what's a, what's a, big lessons learned for, for finance teams is, I mean, things can just turn on a dime, right? Uh, the, the pace at which things can slow and then reaccelerate. I mean, you know, who would have, who would have thought that, you know, within a, a quarter for certain businesses, I mean, you know, they are back to where they were, you know, pre-COVID, right? Um, and so each of the businesses out there right now are dealing with their own uh, kind of sub-reality because it's impacting them in so many different ways, right? COVID isn't impacting all companies in, in the same way, right? Um, and, you know, companies are, are seeing the impact of this in a, you know, that, that really shows in a different way than maybe it does to their peers, right? Uh, and so the, this notion of, okay, how do we quickly replan based on these changing conditions becomes so much more critical now because the quarterly outlooks that you, you know, we, we used to do that was just basically tying back to the original plan, that doesn't work anymore, right? Uh, and so you are just trying to ascertain all of the noise coming from you know, company metrics, macroeconomic data, and trying to surface you know, like what, what, is, what is a signal here that you know, we need to latch onto Okay, that is meaningful uh, for us to make the right decision going forward. 
Absolutely. That, that organizational agility is, uh, is something I think, you know, we, we, most, most organizations strive for, but is now becoming a, uh, a core competency, if you will, rather than a competitive advantage. Um, are there any other advantages that, uh, you know, the smaller finance teams can really uh, can take from this to, to outperform their competition? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, um, by virtue of being small, I mean, you know, you have uh, basically a, a jack of all trades uh, finance professional within, you know, within the, the team, right? And, you know, um, you have that really uh, kind of a, you know, cross company uh, exposure to things that, that make you, you know, very well rounded as a, as a finance professional, right? Um, and so, you know, from a, a finance team's perspective, you know, uh, they, 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 their exposure is, is very broad. Okay. But then as the company, you know, continues to grow like that, that, um, you know, experience needs to get, get deeper, right. Within each of those, those functions. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, in terms of, you know, outperforming their, their peers and competition, you know, at, at that level, um, it's, it's one thing again to, uh, you know, ride on the coattails of, of, you know, strong growth now, but really what, uh, companies need to prepare for is, is to be able to grow at scale. Right. And not, not everyone can do that. Right. And, and that's what becomes a big separation when you're, you know, a couple hundred million and, you know, reaching a billion dollars, uh, you know, how do you now do what you used to do very quickly as a small man, you know, small person team, uh, and now start to really, uh, you know, prioritize, you know, where to, you know, increase your resources and to have them, you know, focus on what, uh, to make sure that, you know, um, you know, you are focusing the right things. And so that's, that's kind of a, a really good segue to, to your new role here at Planful, right? Uh, you know, we're trying to, to achieve that growth and achieve that, that same growth at scale, what are the major impact areas that, that you're looking to have here uh, on, on our business over the next 12, 24 months? Yeah, so I guess there's you know, a couple, couple of points, right? So one, uh, just looking internally within our own finance teams and, and processes, right? So, so that, that's one. You know, um, I, I'm always just trying to you know, um, push the envelope on how, how much we can streamline things and you know, automate and to just really... Uh, you know, uh, reduce the clutter of, of this, the, the manual minutia that, that we do, right? And, you know, I know this is something that a lot of, you know, finance folks are, are you know, trying to, um, uh, trying to tackle, uh, but, you know, it, it does really, you know, require a, 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 um, uh, uh, outside the box thinking to, to do that because, you know, by nature, you know, we're used to doing things the way we've done it before, yeah because maybe our, our systems uh, didn't uh, give us what we needed, okay? And so we're used to just coming in as human band-aids, right, uh, to, to fix it, no matter what, what, whatever the cost or, you know, uh, hours invested. Um, so uh, really trying to optimize the uh, finance processes, whether it's a close cycle or a forecasting or, or a planning cycle, and to, uh, you know, really figure out what opportunities do we have to, um, to be able to, uh, you know, make uh, more uh, efficient decisions and to uh, be able to, um, you know, tackle some of the, the bigger issues that, 
you know, requires some more, more thought. Uh, so that's on the, on the um, finance team side, uh, you know, as relates to the, the product itself, I mean, you know, this is the product that we live and breathe on a daily basis, right? And so, you know, I am super excited to be uh, engaging with folks on uh, your team on the marketing side, on the, on the product side, about ways to improve the product. Uh, it's, uh, it's really exciting for me to just see all the, uh, you know, features and, and things that we have on the roadmap uh, to solve the, uh, the pain points that finance teams and, and professionals have today. And some of these issues have been longstanding issues that we just, we just kind of gave up on, right? <laughs> because, you know, we, we complained about it in the beginning, but then there was no resolution. And so we just reverted back to just our old habits, right? Um, so uh, it's, it's exciting to just, you know, be engaging, you know, with the, the product folks on, okay, have you guys thought about this? Or like, you know, here's, here's one way to make it easier for the, you know, finance person to just, you know, do their job, right? Uh, and then, you know, uh, lastly, uh, on, you know, customer facing side too, right? Uh, because, you know, I mean, we're selling a, uh, financial application, you know, tool, right? Uh, but what I've come to realize is, you know, the tool is only half the equation. The other half is if your um, processes are, are, are not aligned with that tool, you're not going to, you're not going to be, uh, you know, at, at, at kind of the, the most optimal level of, of efficiency, right? And so in some ways, you know, um, we, you know, it's about, uh, in improving the way we do things uh, with the tool in hand, right? Uh, mm -hmm. To really take finance organizations and teams and you know uh, skill sets to to the next level. That that's that's uh, you know another area that I'm excited about. And so um, yeah, that I, I mean that's super interesting. And and you've joined at a really interesting time, right? You you've joined uh, obviously in the middle of uh, well, you know or three quarters of the way through 2020 in the midst of an annual planning cycle in the midst of uh, everyone being pushed remote work. Um, what learnings do you have for anyone that is maybe in a job transition right now and looking to, uh, to start their new role in a very remote way? I know you probably haven't met face to face yet. Many of your colleagues, um, what, what advice as a leader can you give, uh, can you give those folks? Yeah, it, it's really interesting, you know, having been in this mode of work for, you know, maybe the past seven months or so, like, I would say probably, you know, the first couple of months, you know, yeah, I mean, it was a shell shock for everyone and everyone's got Zoom fatigue and, and whatever. Uh, I mean, it's really interesting, though, that for me personally, I mean, over the last, uh, uh, you know, couple of months, uh, and, you know, what I've realized was, uh, I think people have really gotten adapted to to this right both from a newbie employee perspective where i'm trying to do face-to-face one-on-ones over zoom with people but also the recipient side and and they're they're used to inter, you know meeting new folks over zoom as well so that sense of uh, a little bit like feeling weird and you know uh just kind of odd like it, it's mutual right uh but then the thing is you know, it just goes to show how uh, adaptable we, we've become, right? And it, it has become almost a, a new reality 
where, yeah, you know what, within this, these confines, like how do I be more efficient and effective at doing things, right? Uh, with communication with, you know, teams and, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, everyone's still, you know, fully engaged and, you know, it's, it's a different way of, of working together, but uh, I think people are figuring that out. You know, for me personally, uh, you know, it's, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting transition and, you know, it, I, I think, you know, I've been seeing it uh, work better just over the past couple of months. Yeah, I, I know, uh, you know, I've had a few people join my team recently and uh, there's some, been some new hires uh, that, that we've uh, had the opportunity to meet face-to-face in the office, obviously in a social distance capacity. I think the running joke is nobody knows how tall anyone is anymore. Um, you know, <laughs> one, of, one of our new hires said, I didn't realize how tall everyone was. Uh, you know, now you don't know that over Zoom based on camera angles and things like that. That's, uh, that's been one of the really interesting parts of, of this whole thing. And it kind of feels more weird being in an office now sometimes because yeah. like, you know, like you, you kind of forgot what it feels like to actually be in an office, like running into people. And it's like, even, you know, that's feeling a little weird. Yeah. You, you, you normalize with someone's background and their office space and you're like, well, they're not in their normal, you know, their normal compartmentalized view of their world uh, for you, uh, which is, which is always fun. So, um, you know, Keith, I, I know it's, uh, it's getting late here in the afternoon and uh, we want to kind of wrap things up. So I, I've got a couple more questions for you bef- before we do wrap up. And, and my, first, uh, my first question is, what does being planful mean to you? Yeah, yeah. Being planful for, uh, for me, what that means is um, uh, being prepared. Uh, being, being intentional, uh, being methodical, um, you know, and it's, it's somewhat tied into kind of what I was talking about earlier, you know, with, uh, you know, with COVID and, and, you know, having to, uh, you know, replan your, your business. Uh, it's about, you know, not just having the, the playbook memorized, but then, you know, as you have that memorized and you have a broken play on the field, like, instinctively like you still kind of know what you need to do with your your teammates right uh and so you know uh what you know being you know prepared to anticipate the changes in the business and especially of this level of magnitude that we've seen this year uh it sets a new bar now right so the volatility of our business that was maybe you know this much before is now uh expanded you know, quite, uh, you know, uh, quite a bit wider. Uh, And so, you know, um, it's being able to work within that wider range and, you know, being prepared for it. Absolutely. I think that that almost may may be the dictionary definition of planful is uh, being methodical and rich in plans. So, um, and then the final question for for you, Keith, right? We're, We're in this annual planning mode now. What's the most exciting part about annual planning for you? Yeah, yeah, appreciate that question. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, annual planning, you know, no matter where you go or, you know, where you work, it's the same, same principle, you know, same philosophy, same, you know, structure. Uh, but it's really the, the storytelling and the vision and the narrative behind all the numbers that really makes it exciting. 
Okay. It's, it's less about, okay, what, what are these, you know, what do these numbers say and what is the final budget? Um, but it's all that, all that color, right. That isn't conveyed on a slide with numbers. It's, it's the, um, again, it's, it's the, uh, kind of the, the, the view it's, it's this like sketch diagram of what your future could look like if you executed X, Y, Z to hit your, your goals. And it's, it's almost like a, a, you know, blueprint for, uh, for your, uh, end result. Right. And there's so many dynamics within, within that, that narrative. Okay. And, you know, as the teams have aligned on an annual plan and they all have agreed, you know, what the priorities are and, and the focus, you know, would be, uh, you know, there are some elements of, of risk, right? Uh, you know, there's, you know, some element of, you know, uh, concern about, you know, stretch goals, right? And it's, it's being a little bit uncomfortable, okay, about what you're going to sign up for, but knowing that, you know, the teams are aligned and, and they're, they're, they're committed, okay, to, to hitting those objectives. And, you know, the, the role that finance plays in that is just to make sure everyone is aligned to that same objective. Uh, but, you know, they all come at it from their own uh, different angles, whichever function they represent, you know, they all understand the part that uh, they play as part of this overall uh, narrative. And, you know, seeing that, you know, seeing that, uh, that vision uh, get more clearer as you go through that uh, execution of the plan, uh, that becomes even more exciting. So now you're starting to see, you know, you, you know, the company doing what it set out to achieve uh, and, and to, you know, see that, you know, come to fruition, you know, that's another set of excitement that, you know, kind of um, waits behind closed doors. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I certainly feel that, you know, when we go through annual planning, it's like, wow, you know, we're in this high growth mode and, and now I'm signing up for this new big goal. How am I going to make that happen? And uh, and then ultimately you go ahead and uh, you 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 know you organize everyone to achieve it. And and that's the fun for me is that kind of certainly from my perspective that high performance team of achieving that you know what you thought may have been insurmountable goal, but uh, you know turns out we can do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Keith. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I, I really appreciate it. I look forward to uh, continuously working with you on, on our continuous planning over, over the next few quarters and, and years ahead. And, uh, and once again, welcome to the Planful team and, and really looking forward to, uh, to, to, to our relationship on, on the kind of revenue operations and marketing side. Appreciate it, Ron. Uh, you know, again, thank you for having me and, uh, you know, very looking forward to our uh, ongoing partnership as well. Awesome. Thanks, Keith. Thanks. Take care. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for stopping by.